You're listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast, recorded from the Everstwar Chapel Fine Arts Center in Mishawaka, Indiana. Thanks for listening. Good morning. And if I were in South Africa, as I am quite a bit, I would greet you with Sani Banani, and you would say Saubona. Okay, so Sani Banani. All right, that means I see you. Plural, Sani Banani, Saubona, I see you, individual. So turn to your neighbor and say, Saubona, I see you. <laughs> Thank you very much. Uh, shout out to all the students from Africa. Where's Emmy and others from Africa? I can't see, I can't see, I can't see. All the African students, I spent a lot of time in Africa, so a shout out to them. A shout out to Shailene Ratvan, Nick Giva. Oh, Shailene, yes. Shailene, you're very popular. Um, Nick and Melissa Garber, because they were with us in South Africa last year. My name is Courtney Richards. I'm from Jamaica, originally. I live in Miami, and I'm a global missionary. I get to mentor and train pastors and leaders around the world, so I travel a lot. But this semester, you probably have seen me around, some of you. Um, I am advisor to the faculty, um, helping them to keep their faculties um, in proper place. They're laughing, they get that one. Yeah, thank you very much. In mentoring and discipleship. I'm going to talk to you this morning, and this is not the message that I originally thought the Lord wanted me to preach. I'd been working on uh, a message since Sean asked me weeks ago, um, gave me the date to speak this morning, and then yesterday the Lord told me to change my message and speak on prayer. It happens all the time, so nothing new there. I have to listen to the voice of the Lord. That message will be preached some other time. But I want to speak to you on prayer briefly, and then we're going to have a time of prayer. I'm seeing the clock at 10.23. That means we'll be here until 10.22 tonight. Okay, moving along. Um, I'm from Jamaica. Uh, <laughs> we just preach. There you go. But all seriousness, we're going to talk a little bit about prayer, and then we're going to pray. As I've been walking around Bethel campus the last, what is it, six weeks? I came here the 12th of July from New York, um, from Africa, New York, and then over here. It has become very clear to me how much we need to pray. I don't know you, I don't know your prayer life, so I can't make a judgment whether you pray a lot or not. But it's interesting when you look at what the statistics say that the average American Christian, the ones who are really devout, spends about 17 minutes per day in prayer. That's the latest statistics I have found. Um, and that is mostly people from 30 years old and upwards. The college, your age group, only actually don't even spend much time per day praying. You pray once a week. And most of our prayer is about things that we need or about somebody needs healing and so on. There's very little prayer about God and his wonders and his greatness and adoring him and our affection for him. We pray about ourselves. Well, that's not exactly how we should pray. Our life should be a life of prayer. 
but we don't. There's nothing wrong with praying to God, asking God for things, but let me ask you a question. If you're a parent and your children only came to you when they needed something and they didn't care about you otherwise, would you like that? Be honest. Would you like that? If, if you're dating or you're married and your husband and wife, they only talk to you when they need, honey, can I borrow the car? Give me the car keys. And for the rest of the time, they don't know you. What's your dinner? That's it. Are we going to eat? I guess some of us are like that. What's for lunch at the cafeteria? Uh, Dining Commons, it's no longer cafeteria, it has a nicer name. And that's how we approach God. And yet God wants to do much more in us and through us when we spend time with him in prayer. You see, most people conceive of prayer as something difficult, but prayer is really our connection with God, our communication to God, and our communion with him. God told me some years ago, your life must be a life of prayer. Your life. So I pray when I'm driving on the road. I'm praying when I'm in the bathroom. I pray when I'm eating. I pray when I go to bed at night. I pray when I wake up in the morning. I pray when I do my morning walk. Uh, my whole life is a life of prayer. People ask me, what do you do on these long flights to Africa and Asia on my favorite airline, Emirates? Um, what do you do? on these long flights, I said, I pray. 15 hours, I pray. I commune with God. I don't watch those worthless movies. Uh, it's, it's really a waste of my time. I pray. There's a higher calling to our lives, you see, than just watching movies. There's nothing wrong with watching movies, but I find most of them not worth my time. That's me. I'm not putting that judgment on you. But I said, you could Spend much of that time in prayer, in constant communion with God, your heart connecting with his. Mother Teresa, whether you like her or not, I'm not getting into all of that stuff. Mother Teresa was asked come years ago by Dan Rather of CBS News, when you pray, what do you say to God? She says, I don't say anything, I listen. He didn't like that. So he said, so when God speaks to you, what does he say? He says, she, he doesn't say anything, he listens. Prayer is often listening to God, heart to heart. Now I sense that there's a need for prayer in this school because I hear a lot of talk about revival, need for revival. Perhaps the revival what we need is a revival of prayer. Perhaps that's it. And out of the revival of prayer will come other things. I also sense that there's a lot of you who are hurting. You're carrying burdens. I was a sick child. Somebody would say, I'm still sick. <laughs> Shailene got that. I was a sick child because my mother had me under great stress as a teenager. And so all my life I've had medical problems. But I grew up in a family who always believed in prayer and always believed in the supernatural power of God to intervene. So my first experience of seeing God intervene through prayer was my mother's youngest brother, my uncle, um, was smoking uh, uh, marijuana, which they say Jamaica produces the best marijuana in the world, but I wouldn't know. Um, <laughs> never tried it, never will. But... Uh, my uncle was smoking um, marijuana. He had a lot of girls, a lot of women, and he got into all kinds of debts. And he came and took things from the house to sell, and my grandmother took it away from him. And he came and smashed our house to pieces, and we had to run for our lives. 
My grandmother didn't like that. She was a very tough person, so she called the police and got her own son arrested. People said, what a wicked woman. How could you get your own son arrested? He said, he needs to pay the consequences of his crime. He ended up in a mental institution for psychotic disorder, and the same woman who put him there went and prayed and took care of him until he was rehabilitated. He came home, he had some sickness with asthma from a child, and he got very sick. And I remember I was only a little boy, and my grandmother called all the prayer warriors in our community, in our village, and asked them to come and pray for him on his sick bed. And they did. We children were ushered out of their house and said, go outside, go outside. This is big people stuff. But we listened at the door. And they prayed for my uncle. And my uncle was healed, and not only healed, he gave his life to Jesus on his sickbed. You know what my uncle said? He's in New York, and, and he's a missionary now all over Maryland. He goes to Hawaii, he goes to the Caribbean. He says that's the best thing his mother ever did for him was to let him go to jail. It changed his life. My own personal encounter with the power of prayer not just becoming a Christian now, the supernatural work. Well, that is supernatural in itself. I don't wish him, don't play that. I, as I told you, I was a sickly child and I got very sick as a 17 year old and I went to the Keswick Convention on the Deeper Life, 1975. Now you know my age. I'm 66 next month in September 22nd. You can show a party for me, I'll take it. Um, I went to this convention, I was very sick. My mother had taken me to two or three doctors in my hometown. They couldn't do anything, they couldn't find what was wrong. They gave me medication, it wasn't working. And I sat at the back of the church, about 800 people, and I said to God, as soon as the invitation is given, I'm gonna to go to the prayer room, and I'm gonna ask you to do two things. I'm gonna ask you to heal me and fill me with your spirit, and I will do whatever you want me to do. I'll even go to Africa as a missionary. 1975. I was instantly healed, just like that, filled with the Spirit. My life was radically changed, and I've never looked back. God wants us to pray. God wants us to pray. And sometimes God puts us in situations of desperation to get us to pray, because otherwise we would not. The prayer of desperation. I was a desperate child who needed divine intervention because medical intervention was not helping. Several years later, a few years ago, I was stricken with cancer for seven years and I was desperate for God's healing. And I prayed and I prayed, I never gave up on God. And in the seventh year of my sickness, I was healed medically, yes, but I was healed. I was scheduled for surgery and the doctor was a ripoff. I was saved from all of that stuff as it turned out. And God has healed me and I'm cancer free since that time. God wants to do deeper things in our lives, but it's only when we get so desperate most of us ever come to God in desperation like, like I did as a 17-year-old. A man in Luke 11 went to his neighbor because somebody came late at night 
to visit him and being Jewish and all that hospitality, you have to have something to feed him. He didn't have anything to feed him. So he went to his friend next door and he began to bang on the door or the outer door. And he said, listen, I need some food now. And the man said, I'm gone to bed and the animals are inside. I can't help you. He says, I'm not leaving until I get what I want. And that must be how we pray. We give up too easily. The text in Luke 11 says, because of his shameless audacity, I prefer that translation there in Luke 11, shameless audacity as a a better translation for that. Some people put it because of his persistence, but he put shame aside. I have prayed lying down on my, uh, on my floor, on my belly, crying before God. I, I, I have prayed in agonizing situations. I, I have prayed sitting on a rock. I have prayed walking on the beach. I have prayed shouting like crazy, like a mad person. You have to pray because you are desperate and you are determined to get God as a school, as an institution to intervene because we don't have the answers. And you know why we don't have the answers? Because we don't have the answers. We turn to all kinds of answers, all kinds of sources of answers. We live in a world that is filled with technology. AI is dominating our lives. I was watching something on that. Self-learning machines. Self-learning. Think about that for a moment. And so we turn to these things for our answers, and the one who made us, we ignore him and only turn to him at the last minute, when oftentimes it is too late. Shouldn't we turn to God first? The Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God, not last. When I go to Africa, which I go often and I stay long, I see a much different approach to prayer. Africans generally, if you know anything about Africa, they don't have as much as Americans, probably it's a good thing. It is a good thing. I'm not suggesting that there's any virtue in poverty or disruption of one's life. But you know what it does for them in Africa? It drives them to God. They don't have all this technology that we have. They don't have a lovely chapel like this to meet in most of them. They meet the ones that I work with in huts and and so on. They are lovely cities in Africa, don't get me wrong. They're nice places. But they, they, they don't have a lot of the stuff that Americans have. The average African don't own a car. They don't have a big bank account. They have to go to God just to survive. And it drives them to their knees. Paul says, we're to pray to God with all kinds of prayers all the time. Ephesians 6. In 1 Thessalonians 5, uh, he says, rejoice, verse 16, rejoice always. Pray without ceasing or pray continually. And in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God concerning you. What if we realigned our lives and adjusted our lives to fit this biblical teaching that instead of complaining and whining about what we don't have, we start to say, Lord, thank you for what I have. Thank you for what I have. Thank you that I'm alive. Thank you that I live in in the greatest country on earth. And we pray. And we see God 
and we're determined to get answers from him, and we take his answers. Did I like having cancer for seven years while serving God? No, but I took God's answers. I went to him and asked him. I never got angry with God. I said, God, what's your purpose in me having cancer? And he said, because you're obedient and to teach your dependence. That was good enough for me. And if cancer had killed me, that's all right. Because the purpose of God in my life is greater than me getting what I want from God. So we need to understand prayer. And so I'm running out of time here, so I'm going to wrap this up. And I wish I had more time to talk more about prayer, but I don't. But what I would invite you to do, I'm going to be around the next uh, few weeks until the end of the semester. And if you really want me to pray with you, pray for you, if you want to know more about prayer, uh, I'm in 308 in the Millamore Academic Center, is that what it's called? 308, or you can see me in the uh, dining commons and just say, Courtney, can you pray with me? But we're going to have a time of prayer now. I don't want to miss that. The Lord said, have a time of prayer. Remember now, prayer is you connecting with God, communicating with God, and communing with God. Always praying, at all times, under all situations. Praying continually, not just when you need something. But praying, yes, if you're desperate, go to God and pray. But don't just pray out of desperation. Pray because you love God. You love God. But some of you are hurting, and we want to pray one for the other. So here's the instruction, what are we going to do with the time that is left I know we're rushed, but I'm going to ask you to pray for the person or persons beside you. I don't know if they believe in prayer. Medical science is now proving that prayer works even in our healing from medical disease. Isn't that interesting? Even psychologists, who is the most agnostic set of people in America, uh, in my other field, um, are recognizing the power of prayer. Will you turn with somebody and just pray for them? You don't have to have any big words. Just say You might want to ask them, can I pray for you? In what ways? If not, just say, Lord, help them. Be merciful to them. God bless them. God, let their life be a flower unto you, a praise offering unto you. And then we're going to leave the altar open. And after a few minutes, and anybody who wants to be anointed, we have oil. We're going to pray for you. I'll come down. We have asked the faculty to be here. The RDs are here. We want to pray for those who are individual burdens you're carrying. You don't have to carry those alone. We're supposed to be a community. We want to be a community. So two things. Pray for your neighbor just now, and then after a while I'll say, we're ending, and anybody else want to come and have us anoint you and pray over you for your healing. You're not feeling too good. You don't like yourself. You probably hate yourself. You hate the circumstances in your life. We want to pray for God's intervention in your life. You're struggling. Turn to your neighbor now then and pray one for the other. Just pray. Will you do that? Just pray for one another.
Just a couple more minutes. We're going to close our time. I'm going to encourage you to continue to pray one for the other in small groups throughout the day, throughout the week, throughout the semester. I'm reminded about what John Maxwell, the author on leadership, says. He says, when we work we work, but when we pray, God works. I like that. Do your work, but do it in dependence on God, in prayer, with prayer. Some of you are hurting. You're carrying a lot of burdens. You don't have to carry them all by yourself. You don't need to. You shouldn't. You're struggling, you're, there's pain in your heart, and it's like nobody cares. That's not true. And if that's the truth, we are in serious trouble. I'm going to invite you to come, those who just want us to just anoint you and pray for you. I'll come down, others will come and stand, faculty members. If you have to leave, you can leave, go to class, that's fine. But those who just want some special prayer, Special anointing. Will you please come? Let's go quietly, please. Quietly. Reflecting. And this God who invites us to come to him and pray. To have communion with him. To fellowship with him. And he says, if our earthly fathers, though we are evil, know how to give good gifts to their children. How much more? I like those how much more passages in the scripture. How much more will your heavenly father give to those, the Holy Spirit and other things? That you need father we thank you for our time together it's not enough we know that it's an ongoing process of prayer a revival in prayer perhaps where we seek you and where we find you at the depths of our being and we are transformed and you use us to transform others by the power of your spirit now we pray for especially those who are hurting, carrying burdens that they ought not to carry all by themselves. We invite them to come and let us pray with them and for them. And for all our community, from the president right down, we pray your divine blessing, that you would go with us, you would walk with us, you would keep us from falling, you would watch over us, you would fill us with your spirit and with uncommon anointing. That we'll be greater because we met you, we gave our lives to you, or we got deeper with you. 
and the glory of God will fill this place as the waters fill the sea. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Bethel University Chapel Podcast. Subscribe to the podcast and get more information at chapel.betheluniversity.edu or check us out on the iTunes store by searching for Bethel University Chapel.